Welcome to the Main Zone. I am Jermaine, and thank you for tuning my podcast. Wherever you are, however you're listening, Spotify, Apple, or even Google uh, Podcasts, I appreciate it. Even if you're watching on YouTube um, while you're riding down the street, uh, thank you. I mean, from, from everything in me, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Got to get more content out faster. Just been swamped with, you know, my my school, you know, life, life, period. So uh, apologies for not being on more. Going to get back at it. I keep saying that, but I got to. I gotta do it. But uh, again, thank you for for everyone that listens and and watches and keep liking, keep subscribing, you know, keep sharing. So let's get started. Lots lots to talk about. I mean, since last time I did a podcast, a lot has happened. Not go over everything. Mainly, we talk about the routine team uh, documentary. Great documentary. If you haven't watched it yet, I am going to talk about Draymond Green. Spend some time talking about the French prospect, Victor Wenbanyama. Uh, looks phenomenal. We'll get into that here in a second. We'll talk about uh, the situation in Boston with Udoka, but even uh, Robert Sarver, the uh, owner of the uh, Phoenix and Sons and Phoenix Mercury. Before we do that, Let's just let's go over some news. You know, I got to talk about Deion Sanders and Jackson State. So let's just let's get started with that. All right, let's start with let's start with Jackson State. So as you know, for those that don't know, last, yesterday Jackson State played Alabama State in Alabama State's homecoming. Eddie Robson Jr., the head coach of Jackson State, after the game, Dion went to give him a handshake, and then what, he, what Eddie, Eddie Robinson Jr. said was a bro hug. He declined it, put his hand in Dion's chest. Dion took offense to that. During the press conference, Eddie Robinson Jr. let it be known that Sanders was disrespectful, walking through their side of the field, um, felt disrespected through the, through the media all week. Dion then went on to release a video of him uh, walking across the stadium, around the field, I should say, uh, doing something he says he does in every game. Uh, and you can hear the audio of it, because as Dion said, he's always got the mic on. So you hear the audio of it. Um, derogatory comments were made to him by the uh, Alabama State players. And... Dion addressed it. Eddie Robson Jr. was saying that Dion is not swack, and he is swack. So here's my, in a nutshell, and to me, Eddie Robson Jr. is sounding like a hater. Uh, frustrated about the loss, frustrated by, by uh, all the notoriety that, that Dion is getting, frustrated by the publicity that Dion's getting, frustrated by the amount of recruits that Dion's able to get, frustrated by the presence of Dion, let's just say that. And I think it showed its itself during the, the during the post-game, uh, I said pre-game, I meant post-game comments. Um, there's no place for that. Uh, if Dion does that every game, you know, don't take it personal. I think what Dion has done for HBCUs is phenomenal. 
what's frustrating me is y'all shouldn't be bickering at one another. You should be praising Dion for what he's been able to do to elevate HBCU platform. You have more and more people talking about HBCUs who have an NFL scouts at HBCUs. Like, you got to remember, I'll give you all a quick history lesson. There was a time when some of the greatest players came out of uh, HBCU uh, schools. And for the past 20-something years, that hasn't happened. You know, all of our best players are going to your Power 5 schools. They're going to Bama. They're going to Texas and Georgia and Clemson, even heading out west to Oregon. So you don't have as many. But once Dion got on board and he got Travis Hunter to go, even though he hasn't played a lot this year, uh, it opened up the floodgates, so to speak, for publicity to these HBCUs. So, like, don't, my thing is don't be upset with Dion. Work with him. Like you brought a lot of instead of instead of bringing a lot of positive uh, notoriety to the uh, to that to that game this weekend, it's just negative publicity. And I just hate to see it. I mean, get out recruit. Ask Dion what he's doing. Dion's there to grow the swag. He's not just there to grow Grand uh, to go to grow Jackson State. Um, so that's my take on that. Eddie Eddie Robinson Jr. just really just sounded. A little bit bitter. Uh, I think as he should teach his players from the standpoint of what we heard in the audio to have more respect. He should have calmed down before he went out and spoke uh, to the media. Uh, seeing that he was so frustrated, I don't think that would have been a bad idea. You know, it's a lot of times all of us that are in athletics and have competed. Um, you need to cool off, you know, before you before you speak. So, I know a lot of people are going to be talking about tomorrow on all the um, sports talk, you know. That's my thing about it. It is Dion has done a great thing at bringing a lot of publicity to, publicity to the SWAC. Uh, let's not run them out of there. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure some Power 5 schools are going to be coming at him, but Dion's not doing this for the money. I think he believes, I, I follow him on social media. I truly believe that he is in it for the right reasons, which is to grow at, uh, Jackson State into a great program. His son is having a phenomenal season playing quarterback. I know he's not going to get any Heisman love, but he's having a, a great season. And uh, Jackson State's just whooping on some people. I mean, it's great. You know, go Dion. All right. A little NFL right quick. Uh, hey, yo, big ups to Brian Robinson. Y'all remember about six weeks ago, he got shot and carjacked out in D.C. Well, he played his first game in the NFL today. Uh, got in the game. I mean, didn't do too much, but just the fact that he survived the uh, the robbery and then made it back in six weeks is phenomenal. You know, I'm not going to talk a lot of NFL today. The season's moving right along. I mean, I, I, I am going to say my Cowboys are sitting 4-1. Now, 4-1 sounds great, but you're 4-0 without your overpaid quarterback. So that's my that will always be my thing with the Cowboys. They're winning right now without Dak. What do they do when he gets back? 
Uh, is it proving that he's you know, a little bit overrated, but not getting all that? Eagles look great. Giants surprisingly look great. Um, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are just on a whole other planet as far as QB play. Uh, Russell Wilson. I mean, you talk about a waste of money or, or looks, someone looks like they've been exposed. That's Russell Wilson. But enough NFL. I mean, that's really it. I mean, early in the season, the first quarter of the season is ending um, tomorrow night, Monday night. Uh, glad the Cowboys are winning. Hope, hopefully keep it up. Uh, but we'll see. I know I'm preparing to be let down. Uh, NBA starts in a week, week and a half, about nine days. Uh, I'll do my playoff prediction this week as far as who's going to make the playoffs. Who I even, might even do a whole segment on who's tanking for Victor. Um, but, yeah, NBA is is close. It's close. You know, big goes for the Warriors if they defend that title. Baseball playoffs are upon us. Um, nobody – I mean, it's crazy how so many people only watch baseball uh, in the postseason. I watched it last night. I was watching the Mets and uh, Padres game, and so slow. I get it. It's, it's intense, and you're, you're trying to concentrate, but the, the amount of time between pitches, especially when the Padres are up to pitch, was, was, was draining. Um, but big ups to Aaron Judge on a phenomenal year this year. 62 home runs, set the AL record. Um, I've been reading a lot of sports journalists saying his season's better than Bonds. Uh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Whoever says that. Uh, the whole whole thing is, well, Bonds was juiced. Well, so was probably 85, 90% of baseball players. So, uh, at that time. Um, Bonds is the best hitter of all time. Uh, for people to say the 73 that Bonds hit or, or, or is second or is not the true, the asterisk by it, and Aaron Judge as a, as a, as a record, and even Roger Morris, a junior son, chimed in. But here he goes again, um, flying around the country, you know, witnessing you know, American League Baseball history. I give him that. But he wasn't saying anything when Barry Bonds, not Barry Bonds, when Mark McGuire in 98 was uh, shattering his father's record. He was flying all over the country and hugging McGuire. You know, everybody knew what McGuire was really doing, was what, we, what he was on. And he wasn't saying anything then. And to come out now and to, like, your father passed a long time ago. Uh, his legacy has lived on through the 61 home runs in the American League. Uh, just fade away. I mean, I don't think his, his opinion matters in it. Uh, judges had a great year, but everybody that's saying it's the best year they've ever seen. Uh, Y'all getting trapped in the prison of the moment syndrome, which so often we do. Uh, but shout out to baseball. You know, you're in your, you are in your postseason. So let's see how everything goes. I got the Dodgers winning it all if, for, for anybody that even wants to know. But let's go Dodgers. I'm not a Dodgers fan, but I like Mookie uh, Betts. I've always been a Kershaw fan. Okay, so let's get to what we're really going to dive in today. 
All right, Redeem, De Redeem Team Documentary. All right, so let's go all the way back to it. So you got to remember, 92, uh, Dream Team, first time they've had uh, pros play. You know, Jordan, Johnson, and Bird, and Patrick Ewing, and Pippen, Barkley, Malone. Um, they just annihilated the world. And then you get to... 96, they did the same thing, but by the time you get to 2004, Argentina actually wins the uh, gold at the Olympics. The United States gets the bronze. That that particular time through the Olympics, uh, none of the big dogs, so to speak, wanted to play. So the United States just put together basically a makeshift team. They had Iris, Tim Duncan, stuff. Uh, Marbury's on the squad. They had Wade and LeBron and Melo, but those guys are young. I think it was right after their rookie year. So LeBron was about 19 years old. Um, so they ended up with bronze. So then Jerry Colangelo takes over USA basketball. Instead of just doing it like makeshift, let's just get 12 guys to go out here and hoop because we're the United States. We're going to beat everybody. Uh, he puts together a program. You know, so I'm giving you the backstory. Then I'm giving my take on the on the documentary. All right, so it starts to work. You know, they still come up short a couple times. After that, they have to qualify in 07 um, to make the Olympics. And then here comes Kobe. Kobe. Kobe finally shows up in 07. He's supposed to play in 06 with them, but he had knee surgery. So 07, Kobe gets there. And from the beginning, you got to remember. Like, Kobe is so beloved. One, yes, he passed away, and he's my favorite player, and five championships and all that kind of stuff. But this is before his last two titles. This is, you know, the time after Shaq. Um, Kobe's always been a loner. So it's like, how does he fit into this team? So if, even if you're watching the documentary, they're saying how the first meeting, Kobe's sitting by himself, you know, him and LeBron are considered the two best players in the world. Who's going to be the leader of the team? And Kobe shows up at 07. So the whole story goes, uh, all the guys go out to party. Here's Kobe. When they're coming in from the club, Kobe's actually going into the gym. So he sets the tone from the jump of you know, the type of work ethic it takes to, to be a champion. So from there, D-Wade joins him in the morning, and LeBron joins him, and slowly but surely, all the guys on the team are joining him for their 5 a.m. workouts. So you clearly can see who set the tone as the alpha, ultimate alpha male of the team. I know Carlos Bruger made a comment that there's two alphas, and you wouldn't know, but the reality of it is the one alpha of that team was Kobe Bryant. He set the tone of of everything, even in the in the opening piece in the in the um the trailer that they released was when Kobe told the guys, "Hey, they're gonna run a play. Paul is gonna be the last guy on the pick. We'll run right through him. I'm not gonna say the words he actually said, but he's gonna. I'm running right through his chest. Watch the video. He runs right through Powell, setting the tone that yes, Paul is my teammate. Yes, I'm gonna have to win two titles in a row with Powell." Yes, I care about him a lot, but right now he's on the other team. So, 
from that moment, as you know, uh, United States wins gold. They get to the gold medal game, and Kobe's just being Kobe. You know, playing ultimate, you know, great defense, hitting big shots down the uh, stretch of the game against Spain. And uh, my take on the documentary, so that's that's the whole documentary. My take on it, it was done very well. I wish they would have had uh, more um, commentary from others, from, from other players. It was, it was mainly the guys mainly doing the talking were LeBron, Melo, and Wade. Um, I would like to hear some other voices, even some against against some of the guys that they played against. You know, they should have grabbed Carlos Arroyo. They could have grabbed Ginobili uh, for this for this documentary. But I think it was done very well. I think they did do a great job of highlighting Kobe's uh, will to win, his intensity, and um, dedication to the game. I don't think there's been a I just don't think there's someone that's as dedicated to basketball as Kobe Bryant was. Um, but all in all, great documentary. I mean, I recommend it to anybody to, to watch it. Not close to being as good as The Last Dance, but but worth watching. Because um, it did put the United States back up top in the basketball uh, world. Because <laughs> for a while there, um, people were coming. You know, Argentina just beat us. Spain was right there, so I will say that uh, great job on the documentary and something, something cool to watch. All right, let's go to Draymond Green. Okay, so let's get it straight. Draymond gets into an, first it's released that Draymond gets into an altercation with Jordan Poole, but then the next day the, the video's leaked. As you see, they're probably mouthing off because there's no audio. So they're probably mouthing off, just going, you know, basketball talk, you know, jawing at each other. Draymond walks to his airspace. Now I'm going to piggyback on what something that uh, Shannon Sharp said, which is Jordan Poole must not have been in a lot of fights because once Draymond closed that airspace and he got right up on him, you don't push, you got to swing because. Like, hey, you don't know what's about to happen next. So Jordan Poole pushes him, and Draymond, pow, uh, pops him one. Um, Classes act, sucker punch. You know, a lot of other words to say to describe it, but I'm not going to say it here. Um, but, you know, it was a bad look on Draymond. Um, just lack of leadership, lack of control. I think the lack of control stems from his wanting of a max contract. Um, also knowing that, that Poole was up for a contract as well, I think played a part in this. I think if Draymond had already been maxed out, he would have been just ignored Jordan Poole. I think the fact that Draymond's under a little bit of pressure, because one, he... I know people rave about, oh, he's a, the glue guy and he has intensity and he plays great defense and blah, 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 blah. Man, he's a role player, bottom line. I'm not dismissing his contributions to the Warriors titles, but at the end of the day, he's just a role player. Um, and I think the kind of the writing's on the wall for him as far as how much longer he's going to be with the Warriors. So I think that's where that level of frustration went up, went up, went up. 
Wiggins proved in the finals that he's valuable. Not trading Clay. You're not trading Curry. You're not trading Wiseman. You're not trading Kaminga. So I think he lost his cool because he sees the writing on the wall, which is by next year I'm at the wall. Because he's up, I think. He's got a player option for this next summer. So he can take his player option. It's probably like $25 million. Or he can become a free agent. I think he's going to become a free agent. I think the Warriors are going to let him walk. This might even, you know, took that off the cliff as far as just that's what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to let Jordan Poole walk. I think they know Steph can't go on forever. Uh, and he's and Poole's a learning lot from Steph. I know Clay can't go on forever. So um, what does Jordan Poole do? So here's 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 two scenarios. All right, on one end is Jordan Poole, which is like, yo, there's no way he does, he would have done that to me, if, would have done that to Clay or to Wiggins or to uh, Steph. So Poole could say, hey, him or me. All right, point blank. What if he were to do that? And then Draymond, you know, I mean, what can he do about that? The worst part about it is Draymond's comments on the barbershop, I think he was on, and he said he hates playing for sorry teams. Or he, he doesn't get up to play against sorry teams. Man, what if the Warriors ship him out to a sorry team? Heck, what if the only, person, only team that willing to sign him next year is a sorry team? Like, you're going to eat your words one day. Like, role player, blows up on a teammate, punches him in the face, not a good look for the league. Not a, look, not a good look for Draymond Green at all. And Jordan Poole could just sit back and say, hey, I want the max. I'll take a little bit less to you know, stay with the Warriors, but I don't want Draymond here. You know, I don't think it'd be that far, but I do think the writing's on the wall for Draymond just because they got these Wiseman and Kaminga coming up. And I think Draymond is expendable because he can't score. All that intangible crap is great, but you can't put the ball in the bucket. What are you doing? I mean, this is this is a different NBA from the standpoint of continuously having to play with four on five. That's a big issue with uh, even Ben Simmons. So we'll see. But I'm glad Draymond did issue an apology. I'm curious to see what he has to say on his podcast about it. You know, he has his own podcast and he does most of the talking so i am curious to see what he has to say about that but um jordan Poole, man have your hands up <laughs> i mean how you just standing there you know so that's my take on the draymond jordan Poole uh boxing match third topic i got one more after this uh man let's talk about that young guy from france victor wembanyama it's a bad boy 18 years old, played against the G League Ignite two games last week. The last one, he had 36, 11, four blocks, four assists. Um, he might be the highest rated prospect of all time. I would have concerns. Those concerns are his frame. You know, a lot of times guys that tall, that thin, you know, they don't, they don't last you know, they don't last. He's he's not a unicorn, man. This kid's like an alien. Like, the way he shoots the three ball, the way he handles the ball, and then he's 7'4". I see why the Spurs and the, and the Thunder and 
probably even the Rockets this year. And, and who else can tank for him? I, I, I can see it. I see why. I think OKC and the Spurs, they need to tank the most from the standpoint of you can't sign free agents because nobody wants to live in those cities. So, so you got to build through the draft. And if you can get a hold of him, I mean, that's a, if his body holds up, you know, that's a, that's a 10 time all star, 10, 15 time all, time all star, most likely. Um, so, man, he looked great. I, I, I can't lie. It was, I enjoyed watching him play. I like what his agent said about he's not here to uh, hide away or shut him down. He's here to play. That's what he does is play. So good to see that, man. You Remember the name. If you haven't watched him yet, go check him out. He's he's an 18-year-old uh, French prospect named Victor Wambanyama. Will be great one day, hopefully. Again, like I said, if his body holds up. And now lastly, before I get y'all out of here for the night, Let's talk about this whole Ime Udoka situation. Now, number one, I don't have all the facts. Um, anybody that makes and just thinks that you can make a pass at somebody is wrong, or speak to somebody in a certain way is wrong, or put your hands on somebody in any type of way is wrong. So let's just get that out of the way. Uh, again, I don't have all the facts. Initially, it said it was a consensual relationship with a staff member. Now we're finding out more about that. So clearly that's not what it was. So I'm not here to defend Udoka at all. My uh, issue with the whole thing was the timing. Because you have to remember, Robert Sarver, the owner of the of the um, Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury was uh, initially suspended by the league for one year and fined $10 million for his sexist and racist comments as staff members. They had proof of that. That's what the league came into agreement with. And then a few days later, the Celtics come down on Udoka and they say he's going to be suspended for a year. For again, initially it was a consensual relationship, so that's that's the issue. Is it's the timing? Like the Celtics brass knew about this before. It's almost like, hey, we got to cover up my man, so let's 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 get rid of. I'm not get rid of him, but let's go ahead and pursue uh, this uh, Udoka fine because we don't want the. Sports talk talking about Robert Sarver for very long, and that's what happened. Like Robert Sarver, his story went away really quick, and everything turned to Udoka. I mean, even the Brett Favre thing, but I don't want to get into that tonight. But like, y'all are not talking about it. nobody was talking about that. They're talking about Udoka. And again, don't 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 come at me. Don't be mad at me thinking that I am uh, defending him. I'm not. It's the timing of. Of all things, because remember Robert Sarver's suspension. That's all they gave him, and then the backlash from LeBron and several of the NBA players made Sarver decide to sell his ownership stake in those teams. So it's not like the NBA was out here like, "Hey, you know, um, we're not going to put up with that. You're going, we're going, you know, we're going to find you for multiple years." 
I mean, for him, a $10 million fine is nothing. Probably the max that the NBA can actually give, though. And then a one-year suspension, I mean, for those type of comments, no, that's not enough. So my, my issue with the Udoka and the Robert Sarver thing is really just the timing. Because I don't think Udoka and Sarver warrant the same type of, I mean, time of suspension. Uh, now, I'll say this. Again, that was when it was released as it was consensual. Okay. So, knowing now what I know, a little bit more details, that it was not consensual and he was out of line, I, I doubt he ever coaches again in the NBA. I wouldn't hire him. For the simple fact is, yes, I agree with uh, second chances and all that. But in certain instances, I don't think so. If you're nature is to be disrespectful and commit uh, someone the wrong way because you owe power over them, then I don't think you're, you should work in certain fields because I don't think that goes away. I don't think he's just going to uh, all of a sudden realize, oh my gosh, what I did was wrong and I shouldn't treat women this way. You shouldn't. But I don't, I don't think if he gets, I think if he gets in another position of power, I wouldn't doubt that that happens again. So for me, I don't think he'll ever work in the NBA again. We shall see, though. He's a phenomenal coach, clearly leading the Celtics to the to the finals this past year. So, you know, we've seen we've seen other people come back uh, and get second chances. Um, but that's my thing. It's just really the timing and. Um, and then also, you know, lastly, I'll say, it's the it's the speed at which people want to come out with stories. Um, very sad that people are leaking photos of just women on the Celtic staff saying that this is the the person he's having this relationship with, with no facts. You can ruin lives, ruin families. I mean, I get it. These are all NBA players and you know, we put them on a pedestal or this is an NBA coach. But at the end of the day, they have a family. They have children. They have a spouse. Like, you leaking a, throwing out a picture of a staff member saying, oh, this is the girl that, that you dope was messing with. Well, if it's not true, that's sad because now their kid might see it. Or their ki kid's at their kids' school might see it, you know? And that's not the way of doing things. I mean, we need to, as a society, we need to stop trying to uh, get everything out first as opposed to we should get the facts first and then release. But right now, everybody gets paid just to release. Same even with the Draymond situation. Like, they never, I've never seen a Warriors video practice. But something like that happened, it's like, yo, we got to, we're going to sell this to somebody. So and that's what happened. So uh, that's it. I mean, again, it's been a while. Uh, again, thank you all for your support as always, though. I mean, hey, just like, just subscribe, comment. I'll, I'll comment back. Uh, but until the next time, you know, uh, be blessed. I'm out.